0: Hey everyone, it's Keegan, one of the curators at Aloud. This article is called, Why You Should Ignore Every Founder's Story About How They Started Their Company. And it's actually an edition of a newsletter written by a guy named Trevor McKendrick. Trevor is the chief of staff at Lambda School, which is a fairly popular code school in San Francisco. And he's been writing this newsletter for a long time. He's a wonderful thinker, and I hope you enjoy. Why You Should Ignore Every Founder's Story About How They Started Their Company By Trevor McKendrick Founding stories are myths. Company founding stories are almost always non-malicious lies. Take Netflix. Reed Hastings has said many times that he got the idea for Netflix because he once was charged a $40 late fee on Apollo 13. That didn't actually happen. It's unfortunate because it will inevitably mislead anyone learning how to start a company. Sam Walton's overnight success. Sam was already 44 when he opened the first Walmart. And had been running his own retail stores for over 15 years he wondered why people focused on the beginning of Walmart somehow over the years folks have gotten the impression that Walmart was something I dreamed up out of the blue as a middle-aged man and that it was just this great idea that turned into an overnight success like most overnight successes it was about 20 years in the making if you're trying to build your own thing and you want to learn from the founder of Walmart Looking at the start of the company itself is stupid, because at that point he already had 15 years of experience. So, let's start with Sam's very first store. The Biggest Mistake of Sam's Professional Life Sam started his retail career at 27, buying his first store, a Ben Franklin variety store franchise. As a beginner, he relied on the franchise's playbook, but also incorporated his own experiments, Things like putting popcorn and ice cream machines in front of the store to drive traffic, doing huge discounts, but actually making it up in volume, not ironically, and buying directly from the manufacturers instead of going through the franchise, which allowed for cheaper prices. He worked hard on that single store for five years, grew sales three and a half times to 250000 a year, and became the number one Ben Franklin franchise in his six-state region. But then... He found out he had made a gigantic mistake when he signed the store lease he didn't include an option to renew it the owner a local department store competitor saw his success and refused to renew the lease at any price thereby forcing Sam to shut down the store imagine working on something for five years straight becoming the best at it and then having a single person end it all Sam was devastated It was the low point of my business life. I felt sick to my stomach. I couldn't believe it was happening to me. I had built the best variety store in the whole region and worked hard in the community, done everything right. Now I was being kicked out of town. It didn't seem fair. I blamed myself for ever getting suckered into such an awful lease, and I was furious at the landlord. He was mad, but he accepted responsibility. I've always thought of problems as challenges. And this one wasn't any different. I had to pick myself up and get on with it. Do it all over again. Only even better this time. If Facebook or Google change their algorithms, you at least get to keep your old customer base and your business assets. But with a retail store, you have none of that. And because of the structure of the town, they couldn't just open another store somewhere nearby. The Waltons literally had to pack up their family of six and go find a new town. If he had wanted to, Sam had plenty of reasons to soak. They were starting all over in a smaller town, Bentonville, that also had its fair share of competition, three other variety stores. But Sam said, it didn't matter much because I had big plans. Unsexy Determination Sam spent the next twelve years in what I call narrative limbo. It's the crucial part of any overnight success that doesn't get covered in the successful entrepreneur genre. No one writes about all the random tangents and mistakes you make here. Like say that time Sam tried to start a shopping mall 10 years too early and lost $25,000? Or what about the time a tornado destroyed his best performing store? All he had to say was, We just rebuilt it and got back at it. This is important to know if you're trying to learn about Sam, but it doesn't fit into any narrative. The lesson here is that there will be mistakes and problems on any path to success. As a recent book title says, those obstacles are the way itself. A co-worker said Sam excelled here because he woke up every day determined to improve something and that he was less afraid of being wrong than anyone I've ever known. Once he sees he's wrong, he just shakes it off and heads in another direction. You don't get any of this from Reed Hastings when he talks about $40 late fees. You think, oh, I need a great idea, when the reality is the idea is nothing and your psychology and persistence is everything. Eventually, Sam got to 15 stores and by 1960 was the largest independent variety store operator in the U.S., doing a total of around $12 million in 2018 dollars in annual revenue. It would seem obvious. It was here that Sam finally saw the opportunity for much bigger discount stores and got to work on the 1st Walmart. He was the most successful independent operator in the U.S. and had 15 years of experience in retail. Surely it should have been easy for him to raise money from investors. Wrong. Sam asked other store owners, entrepreneurs, competitors. Basically everyone said no. He got a measly 5% from his own brother and a store manager and had to borrow the other 95%, signing their house and all their other stores as collateral. Even the great Sam Walton couldn't find investors to start the first Walmart on the back of a near-perfect record in retail. The first Walmart. Finally, the point where most people look at to learn is the end of our story. The first Walmart was an ugly retail store. Eight-foot ceilings, concrete floor, wooden fixtures, but it worked because Walmart's prices always beat competitors. Even the name Walmart was selected with customer prices in mind. It was cheaper to buy neon signs for seven letters than the longer names Sam considered. And you think Sam cared two cents about what anyone else thought about his stores? The New York Times doesn't mention Sam or Walmart until 1969, seven years after the first store opening, and he's just one random quote in the back of the paper. Even in the rural areas of the South, where such companies as Walmart stores have dominated towns of 4,000 to 25,000, the industry's big guns are moving in. Sam Walton, president of Walmart, who arrived at the discounters convention by flying his own plane here, cited such entrance into his trading area of Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Kansas as SS Kresge's, Kmart's, Gibson stores, and Arlen's department stores. We intend to compete strongly with them, because we were here first and our load margin policy has proved to be successful, he said. And the Walmart 1970 IPO got a single mention on page 44 of the Times. If you want to learn from entrepreneurs, look at the start, not the finish. Hope you enjoyed this narration. As always, if there's a genre of content or a specific piece of writing you'd like to receive in a future issue, just shoot us an email. Look forward to seeing you again soon.